And grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from Ephesians. We're going to talk about marriage. Uh, Paul writes, let each of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Dear friends of Christ, this morning we're guided into the topic of marriage, and it's all about relationship, isn't it? And today we're learning about Christian Education Sunday. It's all about relationship. How do we uh, teach our kids so that they have a relationship with Jesus? And parents, that's your job. It's your job at home to teach those kids to have a relationship with Jesus. And you do that with daily devotions. You do that by uh, having Bible studies with your kids. I'm going to teach you to have a relationship with Jesus. And you teach your kids, you know, you don't do this. This, isn't, this is not the way Jesus wants you to live. And so we do that at, at gift. You know, the kids start to misbehave. We, we, we pull them aside and we say, what would Jesus want you to do? How? And we do that at our, at our school, our, our Christian preschool and, and our Lutheran school. The kids misbehave and we say, you know, you have a relationship with Jesus, don't you? And they say, yes, I have a relationship with Jesus. And we say, well, that's good. Then how should we behave? And we teach, them, we teach them that when you have a relationship, there's a responsibility. Well, by golly, here we're talking about marriage. And there's a relationship. And in that relationship, there's a responsibility. And so we learn about responsibility. And you remember how it all started, those of you who are married. Will you take this woman to be your wife? Will you be faithful to her, cherish her? Support her, honor her, and keep her in sickness, help her in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others, be a husband to her as long as you both shall live. I will. And wives, you, 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 made, the same, you made the same promise, right? The same vow to your husbands. And every couple, when they stand before the altar of God, they come and they, they make the same promise to each other. They look in their eyes, they hold each other's hands, and they say, this is my promise to you. And they, they're sincere, aren't they? they? They truly mean it. They, they want to love that person. They want to be responsible to that person. They want to have a relationship with that person. And what happens to that relationship 30 years later? If that's all true, that we stand before the altar being so sincere and wanting our marriages to work, then why is marriage so difficult? Why is that relationship so tough? And why are so many people reluctant to marry? Why are so many people reluctant to step into that relationship that is a commitment? I'll commit to that relationship because they don't want a relationship that deep. They don't want to deal with all that. So they live together in a way that's not pleasing to God. They don't commit to each other. They just use each other. They, they use each other for money. They use each other to make a household. They, they use each other sexually. They use each other in every way with intimacy and all that. And then when it doesn't work and things are start to fall apart, they just move out. It's not God's way. The relationship starts to fail, so they just they just leave because there wasn't a relationship there to begin with, right? Just a living arrangement. Why do relationships fall apart? Is it incompatibility? 
Is it disobedience, unfaithfulness? Is it lack of communication? Is it financial problems? Is it intimacy, lack of intimacy? And the answer is yes, 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 and yes to all those things. But I think the most difficult problem is familiarity breeds contempt. The more you get to know somebody, sometimes the less you like them. That happens in our relationships. It happens with our children. And as our children get older, sometimes it happens as our children go to college, they become so familiar with their parents that they don't want to spend a whole lot of time with mom and dad anymore. The familiarity has breeded contempt. And that intimacy that's supposed to be in that relationship isn't what it used to be. Even though they both so deeply want it. We have a sin problem, don't we? We have a sin problem. And we have to deal with that in our marriages. Husbands put unrealistic expectations on their wives. They expect their wives to bring them happiness and joy and contentment and peace. Wives put unrealistic expectations on their husbands. They expect their husbands to to love and to cherish them and to be that man who will protect them, who will bring them peace and, and joy and happiness and contentment. And we put all of that on our spouse, that which only God can provide. Only God can keep His promise. I will give you peace. I'll give you happiness. I'll give you eternal joy. I'll fill your heart. I'll fill your soul. I'll give you everlasting life. And yet we turn our spouse into into an idol and we worship that and say, honey, you're the one who's going to be God for me. You're going to please me. You can't be a sinner. You can't do a poor job. You have a relationship with me now. And I have a great relationship with my Heavenly Father and and you you better be perfect because your Heavenly Father is perfect. And that relationship struggles in it, doesn't it? Because we're not so perfect. We turn them into an idol. We put unrealistic expectations on our spouses and then they let us down. And how many times can you be let down before your relationship struggles? How many times can you be let down before it's difficult to love back? We have a sin problem. And that's why in our text today, Jesus tells us how to manage that as we consider what is a Christian marriage. Our text begins in verse 22 of Ephesians chapter 5, as we we extend into that marriage thing, but I want to go back to verse 18, because that was our sermon last week, right? And I talked about being under the influence. We want to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not under the influence of wine, and so text, the, Jesus was talking about that, and Paul was talking about that. He says, I want you to be not filled with wine, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't fill yourselves with the things of this world and get drunk, because that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, which goes right along a line with Christian Education Sunday, doesn't it? To teach our kids to be filled with the Spirit, to teach ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, so that we have a relationship, a better relationship. One that's led by God and the fruits of the Spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, uh, gentleness, and self-control. I left one out there, but but, uh, the, the fruits of the Spirit, 
to have a relationship. You remember when I talked about that, to be filled? Talk about filling yourself up with the Word of God. And we fill up with the Holy Spirit by singing hymns and by filling our, we fill ourselves up by hearing the Word of God and we, we fill ourselves up by encouraging each other to walk in the Lord. Come to church, come to Bible study, learn more. Come on, guys, we can do a better job of that. How is your soul? What's your journey with Jesus? What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? And we ignore all that. I don't care about your relationship with Jesus and I don't want you to care about my relationship with Jesus. Leave me alone. I'll just send you a class and educate you so I don't have to deal with that. Christian education has to happen with our children. You have to have a relationship with Jesus before you can have a relationship in Jesus with your children. Husbands and wives, you have to have a relationship with Jesus before you can have a relationship with your spouse in Christ. And we struggle with all that. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Paul concludes that whole thing. Fill yourself up with the Spirit. Submit to each other. And then this bridge comes. Submit to each other. Oh, while we're on the topic of submission, while we're on the topic of filling ourselves up with the Holy Spirit and being educated and having a relationship with Jesus, how about this? Wives, submit to your husbands as you would submit yourselves to the Lord. And so biblical marriage begins with a spiritual life of submission to God. Submission to each other. But we have a sin problem. We don't want to be in submission. We don't want to submit to each other, even out of reverence for Christ. We want people to do things our way. We want to be in charge. We want them to make us happy. We want them to make us bring us peace. We want to have them bring us contentment. We want them to be God in the relationship so that I'm taken care of and I'm loved. But marriage is not a relationship of contentment. Sadly, marriage is a relationship of strife. And the divorce rate in America is just over 50%. used to be more. You know why the divorce rate's gone down? Fewer people are getting married. That's right. Fewer people are getting married. 50%. It used to be higher. But people don't like to live spiritually. They don't like to fill themselves up in a relationship with Jesus so that they can have a relationship to get along with each other. And they leave Christ out. Well, they'll come to the altar and I say, do you take, do you, is Jesus going to be the center of your marriage? And don't forget to make Jesus the center of your marriage. Go to go, encourage each other. Be at church every Sunday. Let, nurture that faith relationship because the closer you are with Jesus, the closer you'll be with each other. And then we wander in our relationship with Jesus. And guess what happens in our relationship with our spouse? We struggle with all that. We don't pray together. We're not very connected. Not connected with Jesus and certainly not connected with each other. Or to put it in the simplest terms, families, couples who don't stay together, don't pray together. Listen, the facts bear me out. The truth is, marriages involving a Christian husband and a Christian wife 
both of whom attend church, both of whom are in the Word of God, both of whom pray, that union lasts about 87% of the time. 87, 9 out of 10 almost. That's incredible. It's almost as if God knows if you have a relationship with Jesus, your marriage will work. If you have a relationship with Christ, your life goes better. And it's all about Christian education, to know this, to learn, to train, so that you can draw near to God, so that you can draw near to each other. Draw nearer to your family, draw nearer to your spouse, and learn the ways of God. Uh, but I want to be clear, the 87, the almost 90% success of marriage only includes the husbands and the wives who practice their faith living together. We have so many husbands and wives, they come to church and they worship God, but they don't practice their faith living together. The Lord's hardly mentioned. Oh, they come and they do certain spiritual things together, but they're not in a relationship with Jesus together. The 87% rate includes those who understand all that. Couples who... And what about the couples who don't do that? What about the couples who don't practice their faith together? Well, they get divorced at a high rate. Because they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and they don't know how then to have a relationship with each other. The statistics bear it out. Listen, 80% of Christians claim to be Christian. 80% of Americans claim to be Christian. 80%, 8 out of 10. Now we know that's not true. But 40% say that that faith is important to them. Now that's getting to a better number. 40% say faith is important, but only 20% do something about it. Only 20% have that relationship that I'm talking about. And that's why you'll find statistics that claim that even in the church, divorce rate's about 50%. Because the, the divorce rate in the church is the same as it is in the world. Well, that's because the people of the church are living like people in the world, like they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and they don't bring that relationship with Jesus into the relationship at home. These pollsters base their statistics on, statistics on all couples who claim a religious affiliation. Now, I'm not talking about nominal Christians. I, I'm not talking about those who don't fully get the Christian faith. I'm not talking about nominal Christians who don't understand their biblical role in marriage. I'm not talking about Christians who don't fully understand Jesus. No, I'm talking about those couples who make Jesus a center of their relationship. They have a relationship with the Lord so that they can have a relationship with each other. And the same goes true with our children. Parents, you can't expect your children to have a relationship with the Lord if, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I always tell parents, I say, your kids will only develop spiritually as high as you are. So if your spiritual, uh, if your relationship with the Lord is down here, your kids won't excel over you because they're using you as their pattern for what a good relationship with the Lord is. You say, well, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to develop my relationship with the Lord? 
Fill yourself up with the Spirit. Fill yourself up with the Lord. That's what Paul was encouraging us to do. Don't fill up with wine, which leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit so you have a relationship with Jesus. Finding couples who do that, though, pretty rare. Pretty rare in our society today to find two faithful Christians who understand what the spiritual journey in this life is all about and that they both want to end up in heaven. It's rare when couples understand the spiritual nature, nurture, uh, spiritual nature of marriage and their journey in this life. But couples who submit to Christ submit to one another. They practice forgiveness in the home. They practice love. Even when the other one doesn't deserve to be loved or even when the other one doesn't deserve to be forgiven. They're committed to each other. They're committed to God. So they're committed to each other. And the wife works her best to submit to her husband in all things. And the husband works his best to love his wife as Christ loved the church and made a sacrifice and died for her. Together they, they make sure that their faith is, is fed. They're a spiritual team. They make sure that each other is in God's Word. If they don't go to Bible studies together, they make sure that that they're doing the work necessary to grow in the Lord. And they feed their faith so that they can feed their relationship. You get it? God will bless a marriage like that. That's why St. Paul teaches in our text that Jesus is our bridegroom. Jesus is the groom. We're the bride. We're the church. Where is pride? He loves us. Wives, submit to your husbands as they submit to Christ. Because Christ is the head of the church. He is the groom. And as you submit to Christ, He is our groom. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Christ takes the center stage in marriage. And marriage is patterned after Jesus Christ because he's a perfect husband. You know, I want to talk about how marriage reflects God. Everything in creation reflects God. Again, you know, how, 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 how long does God live? Uh, when does God end? He has no end. When does the universe end? The universe has no end. Why? The universe reflects God. God is never ending. The universe is never ending, okay? I mean, things like that. Marriage is reflected after God. You've got three persons, one God. What do you have in marriage? You have husband, you have wife, and you have God. And they become what? The husband will leave his mother and father, the wife will leave her mother and father, and the two will become what? One flesh. And in that triunion, husband, wife, God, then there's that intimate relationship that takes place as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit submit and follow each other. There's a relationship there, and they grow together, and they create life. And then you have this triunity of husband and wife and God, and then they share intimacy, and they create. And they create a human being to love. They create a human being to have a relationship with and to nurture so that that child can know Jesus 
and grow. It's that one flesh union. That one church, the bride. And we are all one church, we're one people. We are the body of Christ and He's the head of the church. And so it is in the marriage. Jesus is the one who left His heavenly Father to be united with His bride. And Jesus has now become one flesh with, her, with His bride. He's one flesh with you. Sometimes we eat His body and we eat His blood, don't we? We partake of the one flesh union. We are one flesh. Here is my body. Here is my blood, given and shed for you. And we, we participate in that relationship. This is my Jesus, and I am His bride, and He loves me because He has a relationship with me. And as you understand that relationship, then what do you do as the bride? Jesus loved you. He forgave you. What do you do as the bride? You respond to all that, don't you? And you love Him back. The one who suffered and died for me, that I might have life in his name, the one who gave me a relationship, I'll have a relationship with him. I'll let him be my husband. (laughs) I'll let him love me. I'll let him sacrifice for me. I'll let him make me happy. I'll let him make me content. I'll let him bring me joy. I'll let him bring me peace. And the perfect husband does all that. Peace, joy, happiness, and contentment. Marriage is patterned after Christ. And when Jesus married himself to you and to me, it was the ugliest wedding on the face of the earth. Ugliest wedding of all time. Well, the bridegroom didn't look like a bridegroom. He didn't have on nice clothes. Matter of fact, he was naked and he was bleeding. And the bridegroom was nailed to a cross. And most of the people that were standing below the cross didn't understand a wedding was taking place. They didn't even recognize it as a wedding ceremony at all. But Jesus was making a vow to his bride. He would die. He would love her that she might live. He would forgive her even though she didn't deserve to be forgiven. He would clothe her in forgiveness. He would make her holy. He would make her pure and beautiful with his love. Jesus submitted to his bride. He submitted to the will of his heavenly father. And that's the pattern of biblical marriage. And what about the bride? What about you? What about the church? What about your relationship? What about your relationship with Jesus? The relationship with our groom. It's one of appreciation, isn't it? It's one of response. I will submit to his way. I will submit to his will. I will learn of his commandments. I'll learn to love him and to learn, love, learn to love those around me because I have a relationship with Jesus. Scripture says it this way, we love because he first loved us. Ah. Jesus is our example. He's the pattern for husbands to follow. He's the pattern for wives to follow. Because listen, we have a sin problem. I mentioned it before. We don't do such a good job. 
Neither the sinful husband nor the sinful wife is able to follow this pattern of Christ in our lives perfectly. We can't love like Jesus loves. And we can't serve like Jesus serves. We can't submit like Jesus submitted. We can't sacrifice the way Jesus sacrificed. We can't live up to the biblical pattern of marriage. And wives, you know it's true. There are times when submitting to your husband is the last thing on earth that you want to do. And husbands, you know it's true. Because there are times when making a sacrifice to your wife is the last thing on earth that you'd ever want to do. It's impossible to live up to those kind of expectations. However, the Christian marriage, here's a beautiful thing, it's a marriage within a marriage. You understand what I'm saying? Christian marriage is a marriage within a marriage. Because the wife is married to her Savior. The husband is married to his Savior. And the two come together to be married to each other. And they learn. Both are forgiven. Both are loved. Both are saved. Saved to serve. To serve Christ in your marriage. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.